the Chabad customs for the first day of the year. That's the first day of Rosh Hashanah. This year it's on Thursday, and uh, then we have the second day on Friday, and then Shabbos follows immediately. So now we're going to do the customs for the night of Rosh Hashanah. And most of these customs are based on a collection of various, various different places. They appear in Hebrew, some places they have English, but I try to compile this to help uh, people prepare and put it also on the site. Now you know Rosh Hashanah is a very special time. We know generally speaking Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. It's a holiday, we blow the shofar. In the Torah itself, it doesn't elaborate that much about the day of judgment, which is later on found in other verses that, uh, that the, it's a day of, of judgment uh, for, for Rosh Hashanah. But especially in the Kabbalah and in the Hasidic uh, commentary, we find the importance on the mystical level of the day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the time that Hashem becomes our king. Uh, Hashem basically renews his relationship with the world that he created. Um, and we do our service in order to bring about for Hashem to warningly, so to speak, become our king and have his presence felt in this lowly world, in this world. So therefore, uh, the main avoda on Rosh Hashanah is Kabbalah's oil malchus shamayim, which means accepting the heavenly yoke, uh, accepting the yoke meaning a yoke on an animal makes sure that the animal will follow in the direction that it's being led. We need to yoke ourselves, put the yoke and accept Hashem's yoke so that we follow and we do what Hashem wants. And that's why, you know, you have sometimes people who are very learned and people that can uh, come up with different insights in Torah, but on the Rosh Hashanah, therefore, even great and distinguished individuals who may be uh, able to expound the Torah and get involved in other types of activity, but occupy themselves with seemingly simple avoda, with simple service of Hashem, such as saying Tehillim all the time. I mean, saying Tehillim all the time doesn't take a great philosopher, but anybody can do that. But even these great people will say till them all the time. They'll say till them all the time. Now, one should sleep as little as possible during the two nights of Rosh Hashanah. Now, in Shulchan Aruch, we find some people didn't sleep at all, but one would not be able to daven if he doesn't sleep, and he would not have the proper kavana the proper intentions and have a proper mind for davening if he didn't sleep, but as little as possible, meaning not to indulge too much in sleep during the two nights of Rosh Hashanah. And then another thing is one should be extremely careful not to talk 
idle talk. Idle talk would mean like dvarim betelim, just things which have of no value, just schmoozing, sort of, and uh, getting uh, talk uh, which have no benefit. But uh, one need should look busy as a servant who has no time to rest because they're busy doing their master's work. Or like a son who's preoccupied with the joy of greeting his father. So there's no extra time. You're not, no leisure, no time for leisure. You have, it has to be intense, basically. You have to be under, sort of under the gun, knowing that these are very important times, very important hours, and utilize every moment of these precious times for the service of Hashem. The uh, service of Mairiv begins with some psalms. You know, psalms is always sort of the main uh, vehicle to pray to Hashem before even prayers. So before we do the actual Mairiv, we actually start off by reciting some Tehillim. And in the Rebbe's shul in 770, uh, sometimes they would sing Avinu Malkenu before Mariv. And um, the actual prayer of Avinu Malkenu is a very important prayer, but it is actually not said on Rosh Hashanah, so it looks like it wasn't a regular thing. If we did that prayer, perhaps we would sing it all the time. So notwithstanding the fact, uh, we don't say all the words. Of course, we just say one. The first stanza, it goes, That's the introduction. Then you say, Avinu malikeinu ein lanu melech ein lanu melech eloto. We know we start from the second statement, even when we sing it, because the first statement is Avinu malkeinu we have sinned before you. We don't do that in Rosh Hashanah. In Rosh Hashanah, we don't want to say the Chatonu Lufanecha. There is an old tradition that even those who smoke on Yontav, which by itself, you know, one shouldn't smoke at all, and especially on Yontav, there's also a question, because on Yontav, one is not allowed to make a fire or burn fire. Um, however, one is allowed to do it for the sustaining his life, like for food, for things that are necessary for his livelihood. Now, this will be a big question, whether smoking a cigarette can uh, be categorized something that you need for your life. I mean, it's something that hurts your life, not uh, that you need for your life. So the question would be uh, whether you care. But even those uh, who smoke on Yontav should refrain from doing so on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Rosh Hashanah smoking is sort of, is almost like a, a frivolous, it's not, uh, it's almost like a, a loose kind of a conduct, it's um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, an expansion of your own self versus, I guess, in the presence of a king or in the presence of important, uh, you won't smoke in front of them, you won't blow, you don't blow the smoke in front of them, so that would be considered something uh, not to be done on, on Rosh Hashanah. Um, now, the Rebbe Rayatz, that is the previous Rebbe, he writes that it's inappropriate for Bnei Torah, that's he's referring to Torah people, meaning uh, people who are learned to do so. 
and they should influence their friends not to smoke on Rosh Hashanah. So in Chabad, in any event, even those who do smoke, do not smoke on Rosh Hashanah, even if they would smoke on Yom Tov. But again, like I said, it's questionable whether you're allowed to smoke on Yom Tov altogether, and it's certainly uh, questionable or probably uh, clearly uh, problematic smoking at any time of the year. Now, I once heard people say, I don't remember uh, exactly that, uh, they once asked the Rebbe, how come he doesn't uh, publish a very clear prohibition against smoking? And, you know, he said that his, his father, his father-in-law, they would uh, smoke sometimes. But of course, you know, in the olden days, people, A, didn't know all the repercussions, the health hazards related to it. And perhaps maybe it wasn't that kind, exactly the same kind of a smoke or whatever. But the bottom line is, they did it. And the Rebbe says, I w- I'm not going to make a prohibition or say something which they did is prohibited. But of course, everybody realizes that uh, smoking is not the right thing to do, at least not uh, for a person to get into that habit. Uh, once the person is in the habit, it's sort of a, um, you know maybe difficult or sometimes people claim they can think better. But again, that's another discussion, not for us over here. Now, you know that a person, God forbid, who lost a parent, one who is an availus, so they usually lead the services. Um, now, because they lead the services during the weekday, it's uh, not appropriate for them to really lead the services on Shabbat and Yom Tov because that would be sort of a sign of mourning, that would be a sign of uh, special sadness, remembering their parents. And we don't want to do that on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So the general rule is that one who's in Ovel, one who's in mourning, uh, would not do the uh, services on Shabbos and Yom Tov. However, if somebody who usually does die holiday services... So he may do so in the years of Avelus Rachman and during the year of mourning he can do so. I guess the high holidays, A, are more of a time of judgment before Hashem, and B, it's harder to come by a um, a shliach uh, tzibur, harder to come by somebody to lead the services, and to see a person has a big desire, perhaps, if he does it every year, if he's a regular at it, so the ruling is here, the custom is here, that he could lead the services on the Yom Tov. Now there is tradition uh, brought down in the Shulchan Aruch for people on during the Kaddish of the 10 days of repentance. That begins, Rosh Hashanah is the first of the 10 days, Yom Kippur is the last of the 10 days, and the days in between, all these days are called the 10 days of Teshuvah, Aseris Yom Teshuvah. And there's various different prayers that we change from the usual way. We do a little bit different. So uh, some people have the tradition that they will duplicate when they say Le'elam in Kol Berchosa during Kaddish, they will say Le'ela Ule'ela. Or some say Le'ela Le'ela, some with the Vav. There are various uh, reasons for that also, um, whether with the Vav or out the Vav. But in any event, uh, our custom is not to duplicate the word Le'ela in the Kadeshim of Aserishim Shuva, with the exception of Tfilas Ni'ila on Yom Kippur, by the last prayer on Yom Kippur, by Ni'ila, we will say Le'ela 
Ule'ela over there on Yom Kippur. Now, also a reminder about those special items that we add in the Amida, that is during the standing, all the Amida. So we add the following special prayers uh, uh, during uh, the, um, in the Amida. So what we say is, we say, first of all, we say, Zochreinu Lechaim, and then we say, the Micha Moicha, number two, and number three, we say for Chsev Lechaim Tevim, and number four, we say for Chaim. Those are already in the Siddur, you have to follow them in the first, second, and towards the end of the, uh, of the Amida, they have these inserts, but if you look in your Siddur, you'll see they put them in there. And we also change from Hakela Kodesh, um, that's the normal way to finish the third blessing in the Amida. Says Akela Kodesh. We change it to Hamelech Hakodesh, the King, the Holy King. That's changed also. And from Melech Yitzdokah to Hamelech Hamishpat. On Shabbos and Yontav, there is no bracha Melech Hamishpat. That's the eleventh bracha. So what I'm saying here doesn't apply really to Rosh Hashanah, because in Rosh Hashanah there is no blessing of Melech Yitzdokah Mishpat, and therefore we don't change Hamelech Hamishpat. There's the blessing is not at all. Now, there's also uh, another change when we do Ose Shalom at the end, at the conclusion of the Kaddish and the Amida. You know, when you do your own Amida, you say Ose Shalom, the last words. So during the 10 days of repentance, we say Ose HaShalom with an extra hey before the word Shalom. Instead of saying Ose Shalom Bim Ramav, you say Ose HaShalom Bim Ramav. And as, I'm sorry? That in the sitter? Yes, there is an indication in the sitter. Yes, you'll see. Now, the only change is for that, we'll see later on during benching, at the end we also say Ose Shalom, but over there we say it with the hey. We also say Ose Hashalom Bim Ramav, not Ose Shalom. Uh, but uh, in the Kaddish and uh, in the Amida, we do Ose Hashalom. Then we have the special psalms after the Amida. We do the psalms, Ledovid Mizmer. And then you do a Kaddish Tiskabel and Aleinu. So in the, you add basically before doing the Kaddish of Tiskabel, that's the Kaddish which we do after the Amida. But before we do the Kaddish, we add the prayer of Ledovid Mizmer. That's from Psalms. And it's a very important chapter of Psalms. Uh, he brings down over here that the uh, Rebbe Rashab uh, said, and that's his that's his words, that um, that this prayer is the means by which all of our physical blessings flow. I mean, it's a very uh, it's a very powerful psalms, and it has um, that special. Um, I guess the blessing that all of our blessings, all of our physical blessings flow through that Psalms. Uh, it's said with a lot of emotional uh, kavana and intent over there. Um, and the way it's done in Chabad is after the congregation concludes the Psalms, uh, the Chazan recites loudly the last psukim of the Psalms, of Shu'ushalm Sheikhim, etc. But it is not done verse by verse with the chazan leading it and everybody following every verse. In some congregations, they say a verse, the chazan, the one who leads it. Then you have the congregation following, then the next verse. 
till you go through the entire chapter of that chapter of Psalms. But our tradition is to actually say the whole chapter, and the Chazan will only do from the Su'u he will go ahead and start from there. So after Myriv, we wish one another a good year. Um, and the way we do it is by using the direct singular language to all people. You use the words L'shana Tova uh, even those who we usually address in a respectful plural manner sometimes talking to a respectful person you would say you in a plural um, in the Hebrew and in the Yiddish there is a difference between the word you uh, to a single person and talking to many people in, the, in, in English it's the same word you but in this case you would say Lushana Tova May you, in a direct, singular way, versus saying uh, uh, in a plural, uh, may you, in a plural, so that it should come across respectful. But we do it in a uh, direct, singular uh, way. So you say, Lashana Tova Tikotev Vitechotem. Yeah. What does that mean? And sealed. You're written. And sealed, right. Written and sealed for a good and year. Like a ktivava chatimatova. Written and sealed year. A good year. Okay. Now, we know that on Yom Tov and Rosh Hashanah, there is actually a verse that says, Ichlu mashmani mushtum amtakim eat fatty foods, drink sweet drinks and be joyful, be rejoiceful, be rejoicing on the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. So it is a mitzvah to eat and drink and to rejoice on Rosh Hashanah. However, one should not overstuff themselves so as not to become lightheaded. Sometimes when you overeat you become like indulging in the food and one should remember to maintain the proper years of Hashem you have to remember to always be the fear of Hashem, the awe of Hashem in you, remain in a respectful way, even while enjoying and rejoicing with the food and uh, with the holiday. Now, during public gatherings, this is the way, um, now let's go first, uh, the previous piece is, during all the Rosh Hashanah meals, we dip the Amoitzi piece into honey three times. You know, usually you would use salt when you make the Amoitzi, and you dip it yeah. three times, but during the Rosh Hashanah meals, we dip the Amoitzi piece into honey, and we do it three times, as we would do it into the salt instead. And um, one should still place salt on the table, even though you're not using the salt, you're just dipping it into honey, but the, the salt should still be on the table. But the way the Rebbe used to do it during public gatherings, the Rebbe would dip the first Hamoitzi piece into honey, following that, the second piece he would dip into salt, so he would actually do both, he would first dip into honey and then later on he'd use another piece in which he would dip it into the salt uh, at the beginning of the nighttime meal that means the beginning of the nighttime meal means after eating the hamotzi piece, you know, the person made hamotzi so after you ate the hamotzi piece you washed, you ate the mozi piece. So, I mean, of course, you made kiddish, and, uh, and then you ate that mozi piece. We eat a sweet apple dipped in honey. 
we already dipped the challah in honey because we said before, but now we're going to eat a sweet apple uh, uh, dipped in honey. Now, the way the Rebbe would do it uh, is the Rebbe would wait for the pomegranates to be brought to the table. Um, the the blessing that we're going to make on the ha'etz, the Rebbe wanted it to apply to the pomegranates as well. See, if you have it in mind, then you don't have to make a separate bracha bar ha'etz because it's right there. So the Rebbe would wait for the pomegranates to be brought to the table, so when he made ha'etz on the apple, it would apply to the pomegranates. The reason they brought the pomegranates, we'll see soon, because it was also a tradition to eat a pomegranate at the uh, at the first meal, uh, soon after eating the apple dipped in honey. And this way, the bracha Barpia hates that he he's making on the apple will also apply to the pomegranate. Then he would take the apple with his right hand, with its peel still on it, and he would cut the apple to small pieces, and he would dip a piece three times into honey. Again, also the apple he would dip three times into honey. Then, well, listen carefully. Then he would say, after dipping the bracha, Baripriya eats. Now you want to make the blessing as close as possible to eating. You want to make as little interruption. So you're not going to make the bracha and then start to dip. If you notice carefully, it says here that first he would dip it into the honey three times and only afterwards would he say the bracha, Baripriya eats, so that it will be closer to the eating of the apple. Now after the bracha, and before dipping, he would say, May it be your will, your will before you, to renew a good and sweet year upon us. And the Rebbe did not say, Hashem Sometimes in the blessing of Yerotzin, you say, Yerotzin Hashem God. Uh, uh, God our God and God of our fathers. Those were not the words the Rebbe would use. He would just say, And then he would eat the apple. Now, over here, this is a little bit different than he himself, the Alter Rebbe himself, writes in the Shulchan Aruch. Because the Alter Rebbe in the Shulchan Aruch says, you should first eat the apple, and only say the prayer, may be for you, after you eat the apple. And the reason is, because they didn't want to interrupt between the blessing of Barpriyahites and eating of the apple, with the Yerotzin in between. But the Rebbe, in a letter, the Rebbe explains that by saying the Yerotzin immediately, uh, after the following the bracha, not after eating the apple, the Yehidotzen becomes sort of an extension of the bracha and has the increased power of a bracha. You're sort of making a long bracha. And therefore, that's the way it is actually done to do the Yehidotzen after the Bara Priyayit, notwithstanding the fact that the Shulchan Aruch says it to do it differently. Now, also, another interesting thing is, usually there's an order the way one needs to make the brachas. If you have in front of you uh, a fruit of uh, one of the fruits that Israel was praised with, it's called the, a fruit of the Shivas Minim, of the seven species. So you have a fruit or you have, for that matter, other items which the Eretz Israel, Israel has been 
um, blessed with and you're intending to eat all the items in front of you, you must first make a bracha on the item which Israel was blessed with. So technically, um, if you have an apple, apples is not is a nice fruit, tastes good, and we eat it on Rosh Hashanah, but it's not one of the fruits that Israel has been blessed with. On the other hand, a pomegranate, a pomegranate is one of the fruits that Israel was blessed with. Okay, Rimoin, that's been blessed with a pomegranate. So it would seem, since you have on the table, now the apple and the pomegranate, and the pomegranate, we should maybe make a bracha first on the pomegranate. But he says no. Notwithstanding the fact that there were fruits of Shiva Saminim at the table, the blessings of Burpri 8 was made on the apple. Because here we have the special custom to immediately have an apple dipped in honey, so that sort of overrides that consideration. And now we're going to do the blessing of Burpri 8 on the apple. Notwithstanding, I have the pomegranate over there. The reason we learned earlier we had the pomegranate in the table in the first place, why not bring the pomegranate later? Because we want the burpreates to go on both, not wanting to make an extra bracha in vain just on the pomegranate because we know we're going to eat it. So, but then we're going to see also uh, that the, um, we'll see in a minute that the pomegranate sometimes is a fruit that people don't have, don't usually eat so much. So since if it's a new fruit of the new season, then you have to make a shechiyono on it. You have to make the blessing of shechiyono on the new fruit. So because uh, if you want to make uh, a shechiyono on the pomegranate because it's a new fruit, uh, you don't want to have it on the table when you're making kiddush because then you might forfeit that bracha shechiyono on the fruit because you're making a shechiyono for the holiday in the kiddush and that shechiyonu would apply also to the pomegranate. So when you're making kiddush, you don't want the pomegranate on the table, so as not to have the shechiyonu of the kiddush applied to the pomegranate, so you could make a shechiyonu of the pomegranate. On the other hand, you don't want to make a ha'etz on the pomegranate because you'll be making a brorpreetz on the apple, so that's why you want the pomegranate to be there when you're making the bracha on the apple. So notwithstanding the fact that the pomegranate is one of the seven species. Still the bracha will be made burpria eights. You have in mind the pomegranate, then you don't have to make a eights. But when you eat the pomegranate, you will still first make the bracha shechiyonu, and then eat the pomegranate. If the pomegranate was not the table when you made the shechiyonu on the kiddush, and you did not fulfill the shechiyonu for the fruit with the bracha shechiyonu you made for the holiday during kiddush. When making the blessing of Burpreates, one should have in mind for this blessing to apply to the dessert as well. If one is having haetz for dessert. Now, if you eat dessert, you have to make a blessing, Burpreates, for the dessert at the end of the meal. But if you made already a Burpreates now, you made the blessing on fruit in the beginning of the meat, meal. So you should have in mind the end of the meal so you won't have to make. If you're going to have a fruit at the end of the meal, you won't have to make a separate blessing of AIDS because you already had it AIDS before and you had a mind to fulfill that obligation. Um, now, the, mentioned also, the custom is also uh, to eat, to also eat pomegranate uh, after the apple. So in other words, you eat the apple and then you eat the pomegranates. 
uh, in the beginning of the meal, you'll eat the pomegranate and the head of a fish. People use heads of different things, but most commonly now it's used is the head of the fish. It's it's meant to the idea of eating uh, pomegranate and eating the head of a fish is because uh, we should be like a head. That's like a sort of a good omen. It's a blessing to be like a head. Uh, pomegranate has a lot of seeds. We should have a lot of merits, like the seeds of the pomegranate. But some people have special um, sayings that come along while they eat the pomegranate or while they eat the head of a fish. They say that's brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. But our tradition, the Yeratzin is only said on the apple. The only time we say the Yeratzin is on the apple. We do not make a Yeratzin. We don't say a special prayer by uh, when we eat the fish or when we eat the pomegranate. And as mentioned before, that if the pomegranate is a prechodosh, it's a new fruit, and you wish to make a shechiyona on it, as I said before, then it should not be on the table during Kiddush. So the shechiyonu that you say during Kiddush should not exempt from making the shechiyona on the new fruit. If you want to make a shechiyonu on it, you don't want it to be on the table, because then you won't be able to make the shechiyonu on the new fruit. Now, further we have here, that the Rabbeim, that is the Rebbe's, would not talk much during Rosh Hashanah. That goes in line with saying earlier that it was like a very time of accepting the yoke, subdued. So even the Rebbe's that would talk during the meals, but not on Rosh Hashanah, especially on the first day, even during the meals. It was more a uh, solitude, it was like a, a very serious time, and there wasn't much talk going on. Now, we have to add the Yalav during the benching, and we have to mention the Yom HaZikorim, we have to mention Rosh Hashanah. Now, one who forgets to say Yalav during benching, uh, and he remembered before beginning the bracha of Atoiva Metiv, that's the next bracha that follows after Bona Yerushalayim, comes the next bracha, Atoiva Metiv, uh, he should say, this is a special prayer, it's in the city. There's a special in the sitter, in the Chabad sitter, I'm not sure about the other sitters. There's a special new blessing uh, that if you forgot to include it within the third blessing of the Birchat Hamazon, the Yalav you would make a separate blessing just for the holiday. Um, what happens if you forget? Uh, totally, uh, you started, then you'd have to do the benching again. Then you would have to go ahead and do over the benching if you forgot it totally. Um, which means after you start Baruch Hashem, if the fourth bracha, and you didn't say Yalav you'd have to do the benching again. Um, now, on, 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 that's on Rosh Hashanah. And on, on, on Rosh Hashanah night. Now, in Brichas HaMozin, before saying the special arachman for Rosh Hashanah, one says arachman for Yontav. There are special, at the end of the benching, there are special arachamans that we say, the merciful one. So we say, Chadish Aleinu Shana Toivah for Rosh Hashanah. But first you say the special prayer for regular Yontav. That means he may merit us to give us the resting place to a day that is all good, which is a reference to Yontav. Uh, but we do that first, and then we do the Harachamon for 
uh, Rosh Hashanah. And, and finally, we have here that uh, the Rebbe would say the Rachman for Rosh Hashanah loudly, and the people would say Amen. That would be out loud. And in Birchat HaMozen, as mentioned earlier, we say Oseh Shalom Bim Ramav, but we do not say Oseh HaShalom. Uh, we don't do the extra, the extra hey. Now, this basically covers most of the customs that take place at the nighttime uh, for, uh, for Yantav, for Rosh Hashanah. And of course, there's many, many more halachas one has to go through. And a lot of these things are not exactly the way it says in the Shulchan Aruch. They have already the Chabad tradition. Of course, it's according to halacha, but it's not necessarily always the way it's written uh, clearly in the Shulchan Aruch, even in the Shulchan Aruch Harab, but that's the tradition, the way things as, is done. Especially this item that we mentioned, that the Yerotzen for the apple comes before eating the apple, after the bracha, not after eating the apple, and uh, as explained by the Rebbe in a letter why we do so.